Sensible Bobby, the show that is all about budgeting, smart spending, and saving. Today we're talking with Ramsey personality Anthony O'Neill, author of the national bestseller, Debt-Free Degree. He'll lead you through the minefield that is student debt and how to get an education without amassing a mountainous debt. Be sure to hang around after class for saving secrets because Sensible Bobby's got a hot tip on grocery shopping. But before all that, let's get ready to change our money mindset, to think differently about money. To lead the way, here is the hero of hard assets, the debt destroyer, the credit risk conqueror, the competent custodian of cash, Sensible Bobby. Thanks, Scott. I'm so excited for today's Sensible University segment because Anthony O'Neill has written a great book that details specific ways kids can go to college debt-free. And you know what it all boils down to? thinking outside the box, and hard work. So I want to spend some time talking about thinking differently, because that's what's at the core here. And I think that's the culprit of a lot of our financial issues. We're often so stuck in our way of thinking that we believe there's no other way and no hope. And a lot of times, we're our own worst enemy, because we don't even want to entertain other ways if they mean hard work. If you're looking at having to work multiple jobs for a few years to get through college debt-free, but someone's offering you a loan that's really easy to get, which will you choose? And especially if you feel desperate, what if you're only a year away and there's not enough time to save the money? A loan is your only option, right? There is always another option, but sometimes it's hard to see them when someone's giving you an easy way out. I think we all naturally flock to the path of least resistance, but while it might feel good in the short run, you could really regret it in the long run. So let's talk about some ways to think differently about money and how they can help us get or stay out of debt and achieve the financial goals that are really important to us. The first is credit. What if it wasn't an option? What if you couldn't use credit to pay for anything, not only vacations and fun stuff, but groceries, gasoline, or emergencies? What if you couldn't finance a car? What if credit didn't exist? What would you do today? Does the thought stress you out? If it does, try to stay in the moment. Your first thought may be to push it out of your mind because you can't even fathom what you would do. Instead, let the feeling wash over you. Are you scared? That's okay. Take a few minutes to deal with the fear and then collect yourself. Now let's figure out what to do. You need food, but you don't have any money. What other resources do you have? Do you need groceries right away? Or is there enough between your fridge and pantry to tide you over for a few days? Can you go to a food pantry or a church or trade services with a friend or neighbor in exchange for supplies? We don't always feel good about entertaining these options because we feel shame in asking for that kind of help. But remember, this won't last forever. You can get through this hard time and then have the resources to help someone else when they're going through a hard time, as opposed to going into debt to save your pride and being in a vicious cycle of trying to pay off debt but finding it difficult because now you're also paying interest that's accruing on top of it. 
The alternatives to taking on debt are short-term fixes and not sustainable, but they do give you some time to find a way to increase your income so you can feed yourself in the long run. Increasing your income most likely means a job. You've got to get there, but you don't have a car. You can ride the bus, ride a bike, walk, ask a friend for a ride and pay them some gas money, or offer to babysit on the weekend as payback. This gives you time to save up for a car. True, it could take a really long time to save up for a new car. But a quality used car is going to be much less expensive. And if you're not in debt, you've got more available cash to save for the car. The point is, there are always ways to fill your needs without debt. It's just that they're not always comfortable or easy. We'd much rather break out the plastic and take away the stress in the moment. But when you're in debt, how much stress is associated with that and for how long? Once your emergency is over, you can breathe easy until the credit card bill comes. And it keeps coming month after month after month. Not to mention the hard times keep coming and you keep using the credit card to take the short-term stress away. But the bill is getting bigger and bigger. Now you're working more and more just to make the minimum payment. Screw all that. Why not just start out working more so you can stash away more money to prepare for those emergencies? Now you're working hard but without the stress, and you're doing it to achieve your financial goals, not to pay back the shark that bailed you out but stuck you in financial prison. Once you've got emergency savings, you can save toward the things you want a new car, vacation, house, whatever's important to you. That's what you should be working for, not to pay off debt. Ever felt like a slave to your job? You're also a slave to the lender. Debt sucks. So try pretending it's not even an option and see what alternatives you can come up with. Get creative. Of course, if you're currently carrying debt, you need to pay it off. The best place to start is not adding any new debt. But beyond that, you can get crazy about paying it off. Look around your home and sell the things you don't need. Create a budget so you know how much you can afford to throw at your debt. Then use a calculator to figure out how fast you can pay it off. Undebt.it is a free online tool that helps you create a plan and does the math for you. Now there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And that makes it way easier to stick to your plan when you'd rather spend some of that money on other things. But remember, once you're out of debt, you'll be able to do those fun things with no guilt. This is temporary and you can do it. My biggest thing about paying off debt were the times I felt sorry for myself because I couldn't go out with friends or go out to eat. Well, I could have, but I chose not to. So how do you combat that? You can come up with all sorts of things to do for free. Reading, going for a walk, picnics in the park, playing board games or card games, whatever you enjoy. Or take on a side job or overtime and make more money so you can pay off debt faster. What a great way to kill two birds with one stone. It takes up your time, which gives you less time to spend money, and it gives you more money to throw at your goal. Let's move beyond debt. How else can we think differently about money? If you're in the poor mindset, I can't afford it is a phrase you're very familiar with. Insurance? I can't afford it. I said this and had people say, you can't afford not to. And my response was, no, really, I can't afford it. I don't have the money. And I really believed it, but I was wrong. Somehow I was affording eating out and going out with friends. It's just that my priorities were out of whack and I wasn't thinking about the long-term consequences. 
A medical emergency, car accident, or disability could put me in devastating debt very quickly. So I really can't afford to be without insurance. This doesn't mean I have to let some blood-sucking insurance agent take me for everything I make in a month, but shopping around and learning about different types of insurance can save you money in the short and long term. Also, the cheapest item may not always cost the least in the long run. I had a boss that used to say, you buy cheap, you get cheap, and he was right in many cases. Consider quality and durability along with price to truly make the most out of your money. For more ideas on this, listen to the To Spend or Not to Spend episode of this podcast from last October. Another way to think differently is to prioritize and always ask why. What are your priorities in life? What's important to you? Do you want to retire at an early age? Then work hard while you're young, stockpile and invest your money. Live like you're poor and plan for the lifestyle you want once you retire. The simpler the lifestyle you want, the less time it's going to take to stockpile enough money. If you want a more grandiose lifestyle, you'll have to save more money. Either way is fine, but you have to think it through. Maybe you want to have your own business. Maybe a mansion is most important. Maybe you just want to take really extravagant vacations every year. Great. What are you willing to give up in order to get what's most important to you? You can have anything you want, but not necessarily everything you want. Maybe you will get everything you want, it's not impossible, but prioritizing keeps you focused and helps you achieve what's highest on your list, even if you don't make it all the way through to the end of your list. This way, when you're in a store and find a gadget you'd love to have, you can ask why. Why do I want this? Is it because it helps me reach my goals? Is it a priority? Or did it just catch my eye? If buying this sets me back on the time frame I've established to reach my goal, is it worth it? If you can do that, it could stop you from making a lot of impulse purchases, which take you further from your goal and bring buyers remorse. I wish I had thought this way when I was a kid, before I got into debt, before I had monthly financial obligations. It would have been much easier to reach my goals, starting with no responsibility. But I accept where I'm at. My decisions led me here. I accept the responsibility for the choices I've made. And I don't say that to shame myself, but to empower myself. Because if I can accept that I chose my path, then I can believe that I have the power to change my path. I am in control of my future. And I can change my plan anytime in order to change my life. It may not be as easy a path as the next guy, but it is possible. Now that I've accepted that and I'm working on my path, I am passionate about helping kids map out their path now so they don't have to take the hard road. I hope that you will join me in spreading this message to our kids. Start early and between good spending and saving habits, lack of debt, hard work and creativity, you can achieve anything you desire. Education is a big part of that, and our guest professor is going to share his invaluable expertise in that arena. Okay, class, Sensible University is now in session. Today's guest professor is Ramsey personality Anthony O'Neill, author of the national bestseller, Debt-Free Degree. To help teens and young adults get their lives off to a good start, Anthony travels the country spreading his encouraging message that you can get a college education debt-free. He's helped thousands of students make smart decisions with their money, relationships, and education since 2003. 
Follow Anthony on YouTube and Instagram at Anthony O'Neill or online at anthonyoneal.com. Anthony, thank you so much for being our guest professor today. Thank you so much, Bobby, for having me on. I really appreciate it. I just finished reading your book, Debt-Free Degree, and I cannot tell you how empowered and excited I feel to share all this information with everyone I possibly can. I mean, the idea that people can actually go to college without debt is basically foreign in our society. So what made you realize that this is possible and that you needed to share your message with the world? Well, when we really step back and look at it, student loans have become so normal in today's generation. But let's be honest, but normal is not setting our college graduates up for success. Instead, it has put us in a student loan crisis. Stats are showing us that nearly one million students today are currently in default. And every 28 seconds, uh, one person goes into default. The average college student will graduate about $35,000 in student loan debt. And a fifth of those students will graduate with about $100,000 or more. So young adults are starting off their life in the red. And to me, that's just not okay. I remember being 18, 19 years old, and I took out $10,000 in student loans, and I didn't even know what I was doing. And so today, I really want to help our young people, parents and teens, prevent them from being overwhelmed and show them that, hey, that there is a route that they can go to college 100% debt-free, which is why I wrote the book, Debt-Free Degree, the step-by-step guide on paying cash for college. You know, I think one of the biggest problems is that a lot of people don't start thinking about college until it's so close that they feel desperate and they think a student loan is the only option. So what would you say to a high school senior who just started thinking about how to pay for college and is being offered student loans right now as we speak? Well, the number one thing is I'm going to say take debt off of the table. Okay, so once we remove student loans from the option, one thing I do love about that is it opens up room for us to see different things, different opportunities that look very, very attractive and then come up with a vision. You know, once we take debt off of the table, let's come up with a vision and make sure that we know exactly what we want to do. Maybe you don't know what you want to do as a career. Maybe you want to go into a particular study. Well, make sure that that study, that degree that you are going to go into school for is profitable. But those are the two first things. Say no to debt. Say no to any type of student loans, credit cards, you name it. Sit down and come up with a vision and see exactly where you want to go. And those two places sets us up for a bright future. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot right now and ask you to name as many alternatives to student loans as you can think of in 30 seconds. Go. You have community college, you have paid cash for college, you have trade schools, you have tech schools, you can work, you can get scholarships, you can get grants, you can get parent assistance from 529 to ESAs, maybe you can get church scholarships and church support. There's so many different ways out there. I did it in 30 seconds. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> and that was a mouthful. But, you know, in my mind, you just gave everyone listening not only hope, but resources. And I think that's what's missing because I always hear that a student loan is the only way I'm going to get through college. And it's just not true. But if they're vulnerable and they don't feel like they have any resources, they're easy prey for a loan. So tell me what the biggest pitfalls of student loan debt really is. I mean, the biggest pitfall of student loan debt is, like I said earlier, is setting our young people up for failure. I just met a young lady and I call her young, but she's actually 88 years old and she's still paying for her student loans from back in her 20s. The average student loan borrower thinks that when they graduate college, they'll be able to pay off their student loans within two years. But studies are showing us 12 years after they graduate college, they still owe 65% of the student loan balance plus interest. 
Now, when we go even deeper, the minority community still owes 113%. So we're looking at the average person is in between 65% to 113% still owed 12 years after school. I mean, so what we're seeing is that these young people are really not paying off. They're not going and starting off their businesses. They're not walking into their career fields. They're moving back home. They're not buying homes themselves. They're not even starting families and having babies because they have all this debt over them. And they're trying to figure out how do we get out of debt? And I think that, you know, this is because there's so much that they don't understand about the student loans when they sign up for them, right? I mean, you hear all these stories about, you know, the sticker shock when they actually see their bill and how they don't understand how student loan debt and interest accrues. Yeah, and it's sad. You know, it bothers me. You know, in this country, we protect our young people from buying alcohol, six pack of beer, but we will allow them to sign for a quarter million dollar loan without even walking them through the process and at least explaining to them exactly what they are signing up for. You know, our school systems are doing a great job at teaching our young people how to read, write, process information and add. But we are doing a horrible job at teaching them life practical skills. What is debt? What is a loan? What is a 401k? We're just doing a horrible job at teaching them what is money. Isn't it sad that from high school and college, we're teaching them how to go out there and get a job? But what's the purpose of a job? To have income to pay for your bills. Well, we're teaching them how to get the job and what is a job, but we're not teaching them how to maintain the money that the job will bring them. So we're technically setting them up to fail and not to win, which is why I wrote the book and which is why I'm doing what I'm doing, going into high schools, going into colleges and teaching them life skills about money. Obviously, the parents need to be a big part of this. But like when it comes to a student loan, are these kids able to sign up for them without their parents? Or is it just that parents don't understand enough about it? Where's the disconnect there? I would say the majority of parents are not fully aware of the repercussions of signing up for a student loan. There are student loans that young people can sign up for without their parents co-signing on. But then you have parent plus loans that do require the parent to take out the loan. Right now, there is a lack of education on both sides, the parents and our young people. And even inside of the schools, they're not really fully, these counselors are not fully aware of all of the options. I mean, think about it. You have three or four counselors to 2,000 students. They really can't be effective to all 2,000 of these young people. So I'm not saying the school system is horrible, but what I am saying is that I think that we got to have some more education, whether that's coming from parents, counselors, educators, and, and including people like myself that are really helping this young person make the best decision for their future. You know, a lot of the money that they can get for college is in scholarships. And we've all heard about scholarships being out there, but I didn't actually realize that you could get them as young as you can. At what age can kids start applying for scholarships for college? You know, you can apply for them as early as in middle school. Now, I may not be a large handful compared to, you know, high school students, but middle school students can start applying for them, especially in like the local communities at local churches or local clubs. But the real bulk of them is going to come in at the time of high school. And it really seems like kids have a benefit these days of the Internet. I mean, when we were younger and went to college, it wasn't so easy to find those resources out there. But now with the Internet, you can easily find resources and you actually have a great tool on your website that gives kind of a breakdown of all kinds of scholarships, right? 
I do. And actually, you know, as of November, I actually have my own scholarships. I'll be giving away about $2,000 in scholarships on my website, anthonyoneal.com. Um, we won $1,000 and then two $500 scholarships on my website. And then also I have the scholarship search tool as well that has about 10,000 other scholarships on there. So um, we have so many different resources and tools from a scholarship that I'm personally giving away, 10,000 other scholarships that anybody, high school and college students can apply for. And then we also have college calculators to where young people can actually go in there and compare the cost of different colleges and see how much they need to actually actually go in and to pay cash for it. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute and give you a couple of scenarios of why I think student loans are the way to go. And I want you to give me the reasons they're not such a good idea. So the first scenario is my kid wants to go to Harvard, but even with all the scholarships and financial aid, it's nowhere near enough and I have no money to contribute. So my kid needs a student loan. Oh, man, I would definitely say one, Harvard is very well known if you get accepted into the school. Nearly 74 percent of the young people actually do get scholarship aid. So I will definitely say if you want to go to Harvard, make sure your grades are up to par and make sure you go down to Harvard and see what all do they apply for. If they do not apply for all the financial aid possible to graduate debt free, it's okay. We're going to step back and we're going to go to maybe to an in-state school. Maybe we're going to start there and we're going to go there, spend about 10 thousand dollars a year, then we can save and maybe transfer to Harvard. But still, no matter what, I'm not going to co-sign on anyone taking out debt because two plus two equals four. If you're smart, you're smart. No matter where you graduate from, it does not make you a better individual. You don't know if your doctor graduated from Duke, Yale or Harvard. You don't know if your lawyer graduated from Yale or Harvard or Princeton. You just know that this doctor is good. They have work ethic, they have good character, and you could trust them. So wherever you start and finish doesn't really matter as long as you have the education to perform the job. Okay, scenario number two. All my friends are going to XYZ school. It's out of state and I can't afford it, but I want to have the college experience and I'll pay off the loan when I get a job. I'm not going to allow a student to take a kid's approach to an adult decision. And so just because you want to go there because it's popular, your friends are going, your friends are going to graduate with about $35,000 in student loan debt. Some may even graduate with six figures. I'm not going to allow you to set that up. We're going to start off at a community college. If your grades are good, just go to a local in-state. If you're in the state of North Carolina, pick any state there. If you're in the state of Texas, pick any in-state school. Again, we're not going to go there just because of friends and you want to experience life. No, we're going to save you money so that way when you do graduate, when your friends are struggling to pay bills, you're actually not struggling. You're enjoying your life. You're in your career field. You're debt-free. You're driving your dream car at the age of 20, and you're enjoying and building on your future. Okay, now this scenario kind of goes back because obviously we need to be a little bit more grown up when we're in college, do what we need to do. But what about a parent that says, I don't want my child to spend his high school years working and trying to find scholarships. He needs time to be a kid. He needs time to play sports, hang out with his friends. And then when college comes, he can get a loan and pay it off with his first job. You know, studies are showing that the average kid who works 10 to 19 hours in high school and in college perform better academically in their classroom. So I will tell any parent that this is false. You need to allow your kid to work 10 hours minimum a week, whether that's cutting grass in the neighborhood, if that's babysitting or washing cars. It is your job to train your child up in the way that he or she should go. And you're training them up to be a good citizen, to work and to earn. And so if you're not doing that a little bit in the house, you're actually 
setting them up for failure and not success. Give them freedom to learn, grow, and to make mistakes up underneath your covering. So that way, if they do get fired from a job, for an example, you can walk them through the process on why and educate them on how to change. That way, when they leave your house, they've learned a lot with your wisdom and with your guidance and they will be successful. And let's be clear, you're not saying that there's no balance in high school or college, right? I mean, they don't have to spend all of their time on this. They can still get involved in extracurricular activities and do what they need to to get to college, right? Absolutely. I mean, education is a very first priority. I, I believe that if they're in high school, we need to make sure that their grades are there, that they are involved in some point of extracurricular activity, whether this is the academic team, whether this is volunteering, whether it's like for me, I did debating with the National Forensics League. That's important. But at the same time, we need to be teaching them life skills. They can work two hours here when they get home, one hour there when they get home, um, and they can work five, six hours on Saturday. I mean, we have to teach them how to deal with life as early as possible. Now, how important is it to consider the kind of job that they're going after and what they might make when considering a major? Because you talk a lot in your book about how certain colleges can be so expensive, but the degree that you're going to get, like if you're going to be a teacher, you may not even make enough that's going to warrant paying back your student loan within a decent time frame. I mean, picking your job is one of the most uh, important things. Probably the very most important thing is picking your school, picking an affordable school that you can graduate from debt free. But that goes back to the research and plan. My dad taught me the six P's back when I was young. Proper prior planning prevents poor performances. So if you step back and say, you know, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer. Okay, that's great. Let's identify how can we do that the best way, which is the affordable way. And look at the lowest pay to the highest pay and make sure that you're comfortable spending the rest of your life making forty-five, dollars $60,000 as a school teacher. But I will definitely go on record to say this. One of my good friends, Chris Hogan, wrote a book called Everyday Millionaire. And he interviewed over 10,000 millionaires um, who are, their net worth is over a million. So these are not your people who are making a million dollars a year, but over time they've built uh, and saved assets, saved money and made some investments. And a large percent of those were school teachers and school principals and firefighters. So if you really want to be successful, it doesn't really determine how much money you're making a year. It matters what you're doing with the income. So if you're passionate about school teachers making this kind of money, that's great. Just make sure that you follow the plan to build your wealth over the next 40 years once you go into it. But just make sure that any field that you go into, you've done the research, you've done the planning, and you're comfortable with what you see. If people only read one section in your book, and I love the entire thing, I highly recommend they read the whole thing. But if they only read one section, I would really encourage them to read the section titled The Long-Term Cost of Student Debt. Because not only did you describe it eloquently, but the budget worksheets you provide really make it very easy to understand. Can you describe the long-term cost of student debt in a nutshell? Student debt is what we've been saying. It's not setting our young people up for success. It is setting them up for failure. If you borrow money today, you're robbing from your future. I always tell this to young people, the caliber of your financial future will be determined by the financial choices you make today. I would rather you sacrifice four years, work throughout college, go to maybe the not so popular school. I mean, if you get accepted to your Ivy League schools, I am so with it. I'm excited for you. The key thing is I want you to work hard to make sure that you do not graduate with any debt for four years. So this way, when you graduate, you can build on your future rather than 
coasting by, having a good time for four years, and now you're spending the next 20 to 30 years paying back debt. Student loan debt is robbing you and it's killing your dreams and it's killing your goals. Avoid it at all costs. Pay cash, make sacrifices so your future self can tell you thank you. And the ultimate is obviously to start planning early because the more time you have, the easier it's going to be to accomplish this. But even for people who are, again, in their senior year and are really stressed about how they're going to do it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the moment they graduate, right? I mean, what is your view of taking a gap year? I mean, there's nothing wrong with a gap year. I'm not a huge fan of it up front. You know, my thing is always proper prior planning. If you do not have the funds, let's say if you do not have a desire to go to college or if your son or daughter doesn't have a desire to go to college, have the conversation. Uh, community college, first two years are pretty much your prereqs. I'm a huge fan of once you go to high school, go straight into college. I mean, because that's what's going to reset you up. But if you know for sure you do not want to go to school, you really are not for college, you don't know what you want to do. Yes, take that gap year. I want you to work, but still be thinking about education in the back of you because I'm a huge fan of every single day we should be learning. So you're going to learn to learn every single day. Once you get out there into the workforce during your gap year, you identify some career fields you want to look into. That's great. Look at the education that needs to go with it. Maybe it's not a traditional four-year school. Maybe you can go to a trade school and learn that particular trade and spend a year in school, which would be much cheaper. And you can come out making $80,000 to $110,000, for an example, like a welder. But my first thing I'm teaching young people is go get the education. But if you do take a gap year, let's be smart about it and let's be wise and let's make sure we have a game plan. Okay, this is a biggie. If there was one piece of advice that you would consider charging people for, what would it be? One piece of advice is do the research and plan. That's my biggest advice. Before you make any decision, I want you to do a lot of research. Prime example, in the state of North Carolina, if you go to UNC Pembroke and if you're accepted into this particular school, your tuition is only $500 a semester, $1,000 a school year. So to get a four-year degree, a bachelor's degree, it's only going to cost you $4,000 for your tuition. The average person doesn't know that, though, because they do not do the research. And there are several schools out there that if you're a smart kid, they will go ahead and accept you in and waive your entire tuition. But young people are not doing the research. They're going to the most popular schools. They're going to where their friends are going or they're going to where their parents are going. And one thing I tell parents is don't force your unaccomplished dreams or your dreams onto your child. Make sure that they're making the best decision for them and their future. And you do that by helping them do the research and helping them plan and even helping them do a deep dive into themselves and what they desire. That's such great advice. I can't even tell you how much I I appreciate that. And the biggest thing that I take from that is that as long as you can open your mind and realize that there are resources, there is hope. You don't have to say there's no other way because there is. You just have to find it. The book is called Debt-Free Degree by Anthony O'Neill. Anthony, so much great information today. I can't thank you enough for sharing your expertise with us. And I mean, we could go on about it for hours. So I really encourage everyone to pick up the book because there's just so much information in there they really need to know. If people want to get in touch with you, where do they go? 
They can go to anthonyoneal.com. You'll see my book there. You'll see some other free resources there. Um, Then also just learn more about me. Every single day I I am uh, releasing great content for our teens and millennials on my Instagram. They can go to Anthony O'Neill. But to learn all things about me, go to uh, at anthonyoneal.com. Anthony, thanks again for your time and sharing your so important message. Thank you again so much for the opportunity. A big, sensible thank you to our guest professor, Anthony O'Neill, author of Debt-Free Degree. Get the book and learn more about him at anthonyoneill.com. If you would have told me before I read Anthony's book or listened to him speak that it was actually possible to go to college without debt, I would have thought you were crazy. But it really can be done. And there are really people who have done it. But if that's not enough to light a fire under you, try listening to the Borrowed Future podcast. It's an eight-part series on the student loan debt crisis that's happening in our country and how it's affecting lives. If you're thinking of taking a student loan, I'm willing to bet that listening to that podcast will change your mind. I had a million questions for Anthony, but we were limited on the amount of time we had. So I just wanted to point out a few things that are in the book that we didn't get to talk about. First of all, he has detailed plans beginning in middle school for getting your debt-free degree. And one of the things he talks about is really making it a priority to look for and apply for scholarships. He suggests viewing this as a part-time job, setting aside at least an hour a day. That should tell you how many scholarships are actually out there, but also that it can take a lot of time to apply because you have to write essays. But he outlines some great pointers for making this process easier. Also, I learned a lot about how important the ACTs and SATs are, not only for getting into college, but for financial aid. And if you think your grades don't matter until your senior year, think again. But probably most important, it's never too late. If your child is in their senior year, a debt-free degree is still doable. I'm telling you, this book is chock full of great information that's well worth the price of the book to help kids get a debt-free degree. Anthony mentioned 529 plans, and these can be a great way to save for college depending on your time frame. There's a lot to know about 529s, so I've put a link from Investopedia in the show notes that should help answer a lot of your questions. I've also added some links to other scholarships I found, plus an article that shares 23 companies offering their employees money for college. So be sure to check them out. If you value the green, if you save as you go, then wealth is closer than it seems, and you can make that cash flow. Welcome to Saving Secrets, where we share super easy and ready-to-use savings tips you may not have heard before. If you've got saving secrets you'd like to share, email me, Bobby, B-O-B-B-I, at sensiblechat.com, and I'll share your tip in an upcoming episode. Today's saving secret is use pickup services at the grocery store. Scott and I started using this service a couple months ago, and we love it. Not only is it convenient, time-saving, and free, but it completely cuts out impulse spending because you never set foot in the store. And parents, it saves you from dealing with the kids throwing everything they can find into the shopping cart while your back is turned. Plus, since you're shopping online, you see your total as you add each item to your cart. This is the best way I've ever found to stay on budget with your groceries. And I don't have to fight the crowd, bag my own stuff, or load up the car anymore. They do it all for you. It's a win-win. That's my saving secret. Now I want to hear yours. 
So if you've got one to share, email me, Bobby, B-O-B-B-I, at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. Well, it's that time of year, ladies and gentlemen. Open enrollment for health insurance. I know, not my favorite task either, but I found someone to help make it easier. Scott Heiser wrote a book called Healthcare is Making Me Sick, and it's literally chock full of information that can save us money on healthcare and health insurance. He joins me next week to share the lowdown on the best tips and tricks. In the meantime, check out his website, uncoveredhc.com. Thanks for listening, and remember to leave a rating and review for this podcast. I'd love to know what you think. Until next time, keep spending and saving the sensible way. That does it for this episode of Sensible Chat with your host, Sensible Bobby. Links for all the resources mentioned can be found in the show notes for this episode at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. While you're there, find your favorite app to be sure and never miss a show. On social media, look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you need help with your budget or want to share your thoughts, reach out to Sensible Bobby through the contact page at sensiblechat.com. That's sensible with a C. 